Hi everyone and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. We are now up to episode 46 and today I'm going to give you three fantastic reforms you can utilize to prepare students for their future. Now this comes about, I'm doing something a little bit different today because recently this week, Nessa and our lovely government in New South Wales, which is where I am based, have released their review of our curriculum. Now we're talking not just a review of English or maths, this is a review of our entire curriculum. Every subject in every year group reviewed as a whole to come up with ways that we can really move forward as a state to make sure that we are preparing our students the best that we can for their future. So this is episode 46. If you want to get any of the show notes or if you want to find some of the resources, I'll have links to the resources from that review and what's been released in terms of what the reforms are coming up, you head over to teacherspd.net slash 46 and you can grab everything that I refer to over there. So a bit of context here. This is our first review like this for almost 30 years, right? This is huge, right? And we're covering so much of in terms of you know, our English, our PDH, our maths, everything has gone into this review. We've re- they've really looked at what we need to change as a whole, not just subject by subject. So the aim of the review was to basically think about what we needed to do to equip students for the challenges and opportunities that are coming up in the 21st century and hopefully even preparing them for what's going beyond that as well. So the reforms, there's a whole bunch of them that were included. I'm only going to mention a few of them that are really quick and easy to find, but I want to pull out three that I'm going to talk about a little bit which can really impact your classroom already. So the first one of the reforms I want to talk about is building strong foundations. And this is about the future of our students in terms of their literacy and their numeracy. So we're talking about completely rewriting again our English and maths syllabus so that our students, and there's a focus in there for building strong foundations, particularly in those younger years, kindergarten to year two, where they're really focusing on literacy and numeracy. And I wanna say that as a focus, we should be using this in our classes already anyway. This is not just a maths and an English thing. And we know that it's, it's in our national teaching standards in Australia. And we are required to make sure that we're helping our students to develop their literacy and their numeracy. And I would say that this is probably, probably the number one, right? Probably the number one thing is that students know how to read in order to develop lifelong learners. And I actually have two episodes about this, but the one I want to direct you to, if you want to learn more about early years literacy, I did an interview with Camilla Ocapinti, and she is an expert in this area. That's episode number 28 of the Effective Teaching Podcast. We'll give you plenty of really good strategies she provides around how you can help your K-2 students really improve in that literacy area. And she has a whole bunch of resources that you can get uh, from there, or you can head over to her site as well to find that. A few of the other reforms that were mentioned, we're going to have more time for teaching, which means they're going to start to reduce our workload. Yes, right? We finally have a really clear reform that says we need to allow students time to, uh, sorry, teachers time to prepare 
for their lessons to make sure that they're actually teaching students really well and not overburdening them like we have been for so long with all these extra compliance and administrative type activities and all these co-curricular stuff. They want the teachers to have more time to spend focusing on their teaching, which I think is fantastic. We need that time to develop and create really great learning experiences for our students. They're also going to start looking at strengthening post-school pathways and making sure our students are getting really well prepared for, you know, whether they're going to do university or go on into the work placement or head off and do some further vocational training. We're going to be looking at how that can happen as well. And they're talking about getting all new curriculums starting from 2024, right? So a new curriculum that's focused on the essentials to know and to do in the early and middle years of schooling and key learning areas in the senior years. So I'll show you a link where you can go and have a look at more of those reforms. But I want to talk a little bit about what this whole reform was aimed at, right? And the, particularly what the curriculum changes are aiming to do. So the curriculum changes where they're wanting us to rewrite our curriculum again. So a lot of us have actually only just finished rewriting our syllabus. I know in my teaching at PHPE, yeah, that new syllabus was only released two years ago for us to actually implement in our classrooms and now we're going to have to rewrite all that very soon based on these changes and not necessarily completely rewrite but adjust them uh, enough to make sure we're doing this. So the curriculum changes, the aim of this is to prioritise core knowledge, understanding and skills and give teachers time to focus on the depth of learning. Now I actually think the new updates that we've done recently for all of our syllabus across or our syllabi across the country or sorry across New South Wales <laughs> getting ahead of myself there across New South Wales it's really they have done this most of them have really tried to reduce the amount of content in there to focus on understanding focus on skills and allowing further depth in terms of the learning that's required okay and so some features of this aim right in order to achieve this we're talking about helping them to learn with understanding, not just about developing knowledge, right? Building skills in their ability to apply this knowledge and then also to make excellent and ongoing progress in our curriculum areas. So what does that look like? When it comes to learning with understanding, I actually, whenever I run professional developments, I quite frequently talk about the difference between knowledge and understanding and I talk about how knowledge is the ability for a student to regurgitate what they've just learned. So if I've taught my students how to add four and four and then I ask them what's four plus four, they can tell me it's eight, okay? And that's knowledge. Understanding, however, is if I'm teaching them application or if I'm teaching them addition, sorry, and I then ask them to do, I've taught them, I've demonstrated four plus four and then I ask them to do, okay, now you do five plus three or you do seven plus eight. And I'm asking them to actually apply the skills to a different set of numbers, so a slightly different context. And that's understanding, that shift of regurgitating to now understanding it. Okay, so when we're talking about understanding, we're focusing on the core concepts or the core principles of any subject area. Okay, so what's actually at the heart of it? You know, for science, it's that methodology of exploration, hypothesis, testing, you know, pivoting, changing things, hypothesizing again, doing some testing and that whole experimentation and checking what's happening, whether or not it matches what we are hypothesizing is happening. Okay, and so for English, it might actually be based on things like literacy and mass numeracy and that kind of stuff. But then you're 
focusing on those and then allowing the focus on that to expand what they can do and where they're going to apply it and what they're utilizing from it. So focusing on those core concepts and principles for your subject area. We then have teaching methods that are specific to each subject, right? So actually having time and teaching our students the methods of what you, how you do this, right? So the methods of how to read and pull out the main idea of a text, the methods of how to do physical activity, how to run, how to jump, the methods of critical thinking, the methods around creativity and creation of you know, new ideas and problem solving. There's methods that you teach that go with that. And then another section here with the learning for understanding or learn with understanding is focusing on depth rather than on the breadth. So rather than covering lots and lots of content, we're now going to cover less content. But because we're focusing on the cores and the principles and the methods, it actually means that when we're teaching this core central bit in a lot of depth, they can then apply and transfer that essentialness into those other wider um, content areas or bits and pieces of topics that you might cover. By doing that, that focus, actually getting the core bit better, and then those skills then enable them to reach the other stuff. It's kind of like you're teaching them how to learn, right? That's what this whole podcast is about, how to, teaching them how to learn with that subject to then be able to take the skills and stuff that they learn there to apply elsewhere. And this is, yeah, this is not new. Okay, this is the, it's basically inquiry-based learning, right? Or what I, I talk about critical inquiry-based learning because I want that critical aspect really key in there. Uh, it's similar to project-based learning in that sense of really focusing in on those core essential bits. And it reminds me a lot, I read a book uh, not too long ago and it's, it's quite an old book, but it's, it's such a good book. I highly recommend everyone reads this book. It's called Understanding by Design. It's by Grant Wiggins and Jay McTighe. And you can, you know, there'll be a link to it at teacherspd.net slash 46. Grab that link uh, and I highly recommend you purchase that book because it is fantastic. It really, go, in terms of this type of stuff, going into core concepts and the principles and the essential pieces that really run throughout a subject area, it is amazing. So go and read that book when, when you're looking at this. Next, the third, second, third bit that I'm going to talk about is building skills in applying knowledge, right? So this is the definition for me of understanding, right? I just talked about it. You've, actually, you've got your knowledge and then you're applying it, right? And you're learning to apply it. But it's a slightly different. Before it was a focus on the essentials of what's actually core within the, the subject area. Now we're talking about the skills of that subject area and making sure that we're really developing those and focusing on those so that that understanding is actually easier because they're applying in multiple contexts means that they're practicing the skills they're getting the essentials, and that for me is really what understanding is all about. So this is critical. This is about creative thinking. This is about providing opportunities for students to demonstrate their skills in your subject area. And thinking about you know performance-based assessment there is really it's great. Performance-based assessment is assessing the skills as well as the content. And so I would encourage you to look more into that. And you know, for me, that's the Jay. Um, Jay McTyre and Grant Wiggins talk about that in Understanding by Design as well. It's, it's fantastic. Go, really, you need to read that book. <laughs> Another bit that they talk about in this reform that they're recommending is make excellence and ongoing progress. Now, this for me is really cool. This comes, I learned a lot about this when I was doing my studies in terms of flipped learning and how I go about flipping my classrooms a lot. But 
because they talk in flip learning about this whole mastery-based approach to flip learning because it allows you as the teacher it frees you up to really engage and allow that mastery approach and that's what they're talking about here so the dot point that they have on this website says ensure that students progress to the next syllabus once they have mastered the prior syllabus okay so that students who need more time have it and students who are ready to advance can do so now this is more than just your basic differentiation that often happens okay we're talking about not letting a student so if you're doing what is normally now right what is be maybe the year one math syllabus right so you'll have students by the end of year one that might get an a you have others that are going to C, others that'll get an e right and what they're talking about is you can't progress to the year two syllabus until you've actually mastered the year one syllabus so you need to have gotten the students need to have, have become competent in this area because it builds right maths builds english builds everything builds upon that prior knowledge in fact Hattie tells us, right, in his research, and it's also in current psychology research, so his book, Visible Learning and the Science of How You Learn, that he wrote with Gregory Yates, is he talks in there about you know, what you know is the biggest predictor of what you can learn. And that's why it's so important for us to know where our students are at. So here what we're talking about is if your student doesn't know already the prior knowledge that they need, in order to learn the new stuff, then they can't go on. They have to make sure they've learnt that first. And so here, this, this reform that they're suggesting is basically saying that a student, I don't know how they'll manage it, right, whether we're still progressing by how old we are through school or whether we're going to just have different topics and classes will be all jumbled all over the place according to where students are at or if it's just going to be really well differentiated in your class in the sense that, in your one class, you might have a student doing year six maths, another student doing year three maths, and another one doing kindergarten maths, and you're going to have to manage that. I don't know what they're, how they're going to put this into practice, but what it's talking about is the student not being able to progress onto that next level unless they've actually shown that they are competent in that first level. And I think that's actually a really positive thing because what happens in our schools with our current model is that if you get an E in maths in year one, I can guarantee you in year two, unless that teacher does some serious work with a few other teachers' help, uh, helping out in their her class, that student's going to get another E in year two and an E in year three. And the whole way through their primary school life, they're going to get E's in high school. They're going to hate maths because they never learnt the very beginning foundations. Okay, And that's how we leave kids behind is by just telling them to progress when they haven't actually learnt the stuff that they need to do the next stuff that you're going to try and get them to do. And so this model of making sure they actually know this bit before they can do the next bit I think is great and I can't wait to see how that well, what ideas get thrown up right about how this is actually going to look in a school in terms of differentiating on this kind of level where kids are doing year six maths year four maths year two maths either all the same class or whatever but they're all the same age and they're all in those classes so how are we going to do that I can't I can't wait right this is yeah and I know I know that that's what this is referring to because when I went to the consultation meeting that I went to the one in Penrith and I talked in there, I raised the issue around competency-based learning and uh, the, I think it's uh, Jeff Masters is the guy in charge of the reform, this whole curriculum thing. And he actually said there's been lots of people during that meeting. He said lots of people have raised this as something that we need to look at and consider going forward. And so he's definitely, it's been recommended. It's something that's going forward in the reform and, you know, 
how, how it's going to look, we don't know, but I think it's fantastic because it means we're not going to leave students behind. We're going to really have to work hard and support students and make sure that they actually get that first bit before they can move on to the next, which is fantastic. So look, that's my brief summary. I want to know your thoughts. Have a look at it. If you haven't looked at it, you don't know where to find it, come to teacherspd.net slash 46. There'll be links to everything there. Come and tell me what you think. Leave a comment there or come and join me on social media. There's actually a group now on Facebook, a community for the Effective Teaching Podcast. So you can search that and find that and join us there and have a chat about it there. Or you can come to teacherspd.net, the Facebook page. There's Facebook groups for that as well. Come and join us to chat more about this, about these kinds of reformers. Even if you're not from New South Wales in Australia, you could be from anywhere. You can be from America, the UK, anywhere. You can be from anywhere. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you think about these types of reforms and how we might be able to implement them or maybe things from it that concern you or things you're really excited about. You know, I'm particularly excited. I'm sure every teacher's excited about getting more time so that we can actually do our jobs really well and not be stuck with all this extra admin work. So come and chat to me. I would love to hear from you.